In this week's episode, we're singing the praises of books not afraid to pick an endpoint and stick to it. Not everything lasts forever, and frankly, not everything should. It's all happening now on Cover B. everybody welcome back to cover b welcome back to cover b the only amateur podcast where if we say the word alpha it'll be immediately followed by flight how's everyone doing (laughs) you get it because like amateur guy podcasts are all a bunch of douchebags it's true it also helps that you have the dulcet tones of a female influence on this podcast (laughs) That definitely helps support it. The trend of guys getting podcasts explicitly to say shitty, misogynistic, toxic things getting called out online is one of my favorite trends. I like that that's happening. It's great. It's been a fun experience. It has made TikTok a whole other experience. (laughs) It really has. Anyway, we're here to talk to you not about our fragile sense of self, but our (laughs) love of comics. And that's what we're going to (laughs) do. Let's talk to you about the comics for this week. So, first up, uh, we have Radio Spaceman. This is a new one from Mike Mignola with art by Greg Hinkle. This is based off of... I don't know why I struggled on that last one. <laughs> this is based off of the viral uh, sketches of Mike Mignola. I guess he posted some sketches that he did of this character online. Uh, people were like, holy shit, cool character. Where's the book? Uh, and now we have the book. Uh, it is another one of Mignola's two-parters from Dark Horse Comics that mm-hmm. he does. He always does these very like short things, which we love. Um, and it features a gentleman being called for an emergency in space. There is a crew that has gone down on a hostile planet, uh, and he is in charge of finding them. The way that he does this is by linking into a automaton space person. Uh, he links in through his chest in this like mission control area and then launches off into space to save the marooned crew. There's also like weird cult stuff that comes up, which is awesome. What'd you think? Yeah. So people are always talking about. Talking about people? Yes. <laughs> you totally threw me off. <laughs> no, no. So <laughs> people are always talking about authors like Stephen King and James Patterson mm-hmm. and these big prolific writers who. It seems like every other month they have a new 400-page novel, and it's like, how do you do it? How do you have so many ideas in your brain at all these times? And how do you keep pumping out stuff that's different each and every month? You know, it's not like the person who has, you know, 90 issues of a Nancy Drew. It's like something new and different every single time. Mm -hmm. So does Mike Mignola. Yeah. Can we just talk about... The diversity and the world building and the bizarre, like, depth that this man comes up with every 25 minutes or so. (laughs) Every week I get a new Mike Mignola book. I swear to God. Yeah. Every week there's something new. And it's all, you know, a lot of the time it kind of plays into a either science, science fiction or like a fantastical or like a mythological type of basis. 
but they're all different. They're all different. Every, I, I've there's in just the past year I've read a murder mystery. Now there's automaton spaceman. There's like Nazi witches. Mm. There's so much stuff at any given moment, and it's all entirely different in technically different worlds. Yeah, and it's like like this one alone has giant like speaking gorilla men that are like cronies yeah. anthro like, men yeah. yeah where does where does he come up with this stuff <laughs> and it's you know it's it's nice too because he does while he has all that he also does have this very rich lore of the hellboy universe yes and he's able to pull stories from different characters different side characters yep. different kind of oh they mentioned this story arc so let's go to this story arc so even in his you know 90 issues of nancy drew kind of thing he still has this bevy of stories that are different and unique that he can pull from yeah uh, it's a cool mignola is a great creator and he's so I, talented and i know that like people love him but i still think he's underrated yeah i i think he flies under the radar for a lot of a lot of comic fans yeah you know i i don't think he has the prolif like there are plenty of people, like, he definitely has his following, he definitely has a huge fanship, and there are definitely people that love him, and he's been around, and he's earned the success and deserves the right. success. But I think still, to, like, a vast number of comic fans, he's not really as well-known. Yeah. Know? And yeah. they might know him just as the Hellboy guy. Exactly. Or something. Exactly. And so the extent of the work that he's put in is not as well-known. And I think that does come from, you know... The Hellboy movies not ever being too big of a thing on one end and also be just his reliance on Dark Horse, which Dark Horse doesn't draw people to the that's to the shelves as much as other companies. That's entirely what um, I was going to say is that, you know, if you're not a reliance, I guess reliance was the wrong word, but you if, know what I mean? If you're a, connection a Todd McFarlane fan, you know, even if you're not a Todd McFarlane fan, you know, image. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you're not a huge Bendis fan, you know all the DC stuff he did, yeah, and all of the other things that he's done, like with Image and things and Marvel, like yeah, it, because they play with the big boys and they've had their stints with the bigger companies, they get the like the the visual uh people see them <laughs> exposure <laughs> exposure is the word I was looking for that I could not come up with. They, they get the exposure that someone like Mignola, who is honestly just really loyal to Dark Horse, which is not a bad thing, they, he doesn't get seen as much. And I think that's kind of unfair because, frankly, Mignola's awesome. Mm -hmm. He's just awesome. And I really, <laughs> I really appreciate... I don't read as much Mignola as you do. Um, you're more of the Mignola ride or die of the I'm two of Stan. us. I'm Stan. And... <laughs> But I really appreciate the dedication to smaller format stories. Yes. You know, I this is a topic that we've hit on endlessly on this podcast about how, you know, this expectation of everything has to be an ongoing with no definable end is not necessarily the healthiest thing for the comic industry. So having producing stories that you're like, yeah, this is going to be done in like five issues. This is going to be done in two you know, just quick little bites of, you know, a story. Yeah. Just 
feature film story. It doesn't, not everything has to be like a series with no definable end. And, you know, there's plenty of room for that. And it's enjoyable. It's nice. It's why people flock to uh, anthology series. It's why one shots tend to do pretty well. It's, it's because people really just want something where they don't have to feel like they have to make a, that if I pick up this issue one, that my favorite podcast with the two people with the sexiest voices in the world were re- <laughs> recommended that I get. And I go out and I pick up this issue because I pick up all the issues they suggest because damn, they're sexy. <laughs> and I like it. I'm going to feel obligated to get it month to month. It's true. You know, and if I miss an issue or my storm is an issue or... They jack the price up suddenly, which happens from time to time. Yeah. Then I'm going to feel cornered by my decision to enjoy this thing that doesn't have a discernible end. That is yeah. just going to kind of keep going. Because that's how they always tend to do it. They give you like a four to five issue arc in the beginning, giving you the main. This is the main problem of this series. Yep. And then when they start the second arc, it's like, but now let's tell a story about a talking roast beef sandwich that's the new story that original story that we never solved in the first five (laughs) issue story arc it's all pop it's still there and we're gonna reference it but we're gonna do this other story for the next 10 issues yeah you know and it's yeah i get it that's a format of storytelling that's been in comics forever and it's i'm not saying it's inherently bad i'm just saying variety outside of that is great Having more of a focus on miniseries that aren't just, like, crossover and tie-in miniseries. And having more of a focus on one-shots, like we did the King Jiro one-shot last Mm -hmm. week. And having more of a focus on anthologies. Allowing room for things like that. Just call out some anthologies. Ice Cream Man, Monkey Meat, Silver Coin, all things that we've talked about on here. Mm -hmm. Having room for things like that. Provide people with richer options for storytelling. Yep. And so Mignola is kind of like, gosh darn it, this is a two-issue mini about this brand new character doing a brand new thing that you've never seen before. Is awesome. And part of what is extra nice about it is that because he's willing to do this one's two issues, that one's six issues, this one's a four issue, this one's an ongoing, the man is a master of pacing. Yeah. You never come across that... We hurried up to pause after issue six mm-hmm. to finish whatever it was that we ended. There was never that sometimes unfortunate Millarism of we ran into the last issue and then it kind of just yeah. ended. Hey, I'm only going to do this for six issues because I got other movie rights to sell. <laughs> exactly. And I haven't really worked myself in a good place by the end of issue five. So issue six going to be fast. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. don't have any of those like arbitrary like too long, too short, this issue, nothing happened, which we've had a few of recently. Mm-hmm. Like, he just, he understands how to pace stuff because yeah. he writes stuff organically and then goes, all right, how many issues is that? Uh, that's four issues. Cool. And yeah. then that's what it is. And it's great. Outside of the general extreme talent of Mike Mignola. Uh, hi, Mike. <laughs> Be our friend. Yeah. We're always looking for friends. Heck yeah. Uh, but beyond, <laughs> you know, just his talents and the niceness of having a mini series, the story is really cool. It's it feels very pulpy, like B sci-fi movie, and it's very much geared that way. It's got like 
you know, Flash Gordon vibes to yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, with like a little bit of like cowboyisms kind of in there, but it it's cool. It's it feels like a campy sci-fi, like over the top movie from like the seventies. From like the seventies. It's fun know. and it's silly and it's cute. There's like a moment where the person in danger says the hero's name, Radio Spaceman. You know what I mean? And so you just get these vibes of like random a, surprise villain in the middle. Yeah, like it's just great. It's yeah. nice. A nice little cliffhanger to lead into issue two. And you know the benefit to doing these sorts. Of, it's not to say that he'll never get to do another Radio Spaceman thing, but anytime he does it. It can be its own kind of unique thing. It can yep. be its own unique story. You know, it's very much similar to the way that uh, Brubaker's handling Reckless is like, yep. while it's cool to have the full story of Reckless and be able to read all the Reckless hardcovers as they come out, if you were to just pick up a random one in the middle, you would still get a complete story. Or the way Joe Benitez handles Lady Mechanica. Exactly, yeah. So it's like... Even though there might be some slight references to stuff, it's and it, admittedly that's the charge of the writer to be able to make these things approachable if you didn't read the previous ones. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's it's functional that way. Absolutely. You know, the Hellboy stuff is very much that way these days. He's been doing a lot of the Hellboy and BPRD stuff in like two issue blasts. Yeah. And it's not to say that if you pick up the most recent one, you have to go back and read the entirety of Hellboy. There might be things referenced, sure. But he's designed it to be approachable in each of those individual stories. Absolutely. And that's it's just a healthy way of running the system. It's a healthy way of telling stories and creating narratives and being approachable to readers. And protecting your audience's yeah. pocketbook. The number one <laughs> number easy number one complaint you hear from new potential new readers of comic books is how intimidating it is getting into comic books. So if we normalize doing these smaller things, yep. you know, it would make it very welcoming. It would help with that intimidation. Absolutely. And it's never gonna happen at the big guys. It's never going to happen at, you know, DC and Marvel. Let's it's just not going to. They've tried it in the past, introducing like new universe, like they did the Ultimates thing, new universes and stuff to introduce kind of new people to the ideas and then work them into the main universe. But admittedly, it's I always tell people like just pick a jumping on point. You can always Google stuff if you need it. There's you know? a reason Wikipedia exists. So it's, you know. <laughs> It's easy enough to break people away from that fear, but that's the number one fear you hear from people is how intimidating it is going into a comic shop and finding a place to start. Yeah. And if we have tons of awesome creators pumping out tons of just little bite-sized kind of quick things, you know, that presents a welcoming jumping on point. And then people can go, I really liked that creator, or that theme or that artist. And they can start finding things that fit that bill. Yeah. You know, uh, so I don't know. I love it. I, this book was cool. It was very cool. And it's just a two-issue commitment. So as our delightfully attractive voices have <laughs> hypnotized you into wanting the first issue, you don't have to feel committed for years and years and years. The obligation is so small. I know. We're let, Help us help you. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Speaking of small obligations, uh, the next one we have is from a company called Silver Sprocket, which I'm really not familiar with. Uh... It is called Everything Sucks. It's really relatable right about now. Really relatable. This is <laughs> written and illustrated by Mike Sweater, which is great. That's an awesome name. <laughs> 
everything about this is awesome, even yeah. though everything sucks. This feels like this book feels like an adult version of the regular show. It's a very animated, cartoonish style about two stoner friends trying to get a burger. And that's basically it. It's done yeah. in a very uh, familiar kind of newspaper style, though it's an extended narrative. It kind of the blocking and paneling feels very similar to that. And then there are a bit of uh, comic strips that Mike Sweater did with these characters in the back. It also comes with stickers, which is cool. Yep. I like that. Give me stickers. I like the stickers. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was cute. It's bright. It's colorful. There's pot smoking. There's someone taking poop on the floor. There's swear words. There's fire. There's skateboarding. There's reflections on the nature of the internet and how millennials struggle and grasp on the concept of remaining cool and relevant. It's fun. What do you think, T? I think, I don't know if it's intentional, but to me, this felt like a modern, a uh, you know, heavily adultified, not that that's a word, mm -hmm. but um, adulted up perspective on more traditional comic strips. So, like, he and, like, the relationships of these, like, older, like, 30-somethings that act like kids, like Peanuts characters, yeah. and the cat that looks kind of like Garfield, and, like, it just has this very... um more like newspaper comic strip vibe to mm -hmm. it than maybe a traditional like comic book. Yeah, and yeah. I think that was really cool. Even the like way the framing on the pages felt kind of comic strippy. And yeah. I, I really liked that because it kind of gives it this almost like double entendre, like taking something that's typically super wholesome and making it kind of little naughty. You know what I mean? Because they are talking about pot and then talking about, you know, poop on the floor. And mm -hmm. and so it just, I don't know. It was kind of a cool, fun, silly, like 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 a Beavis and Butthead yeah. sort of vibe. And it was just kind of nice. Like, every once in a while, you want to just sit around and do nothing and melt your brain, you know? And I thought, I thought this was fun. Yeah, and, you know, it had approachable characters that you could understand. Like, they felt very cartoon. Like, the main yeah. character feels very much like the main Ed from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I was about to say, it's like Ed, Ed, and Eddie grown up. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's a simple concept. Just, like, just delivered with this fun animation style of art. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a fun book. It's a light read. Like it's nothing too committed, but it's a nice support of like an fairly independent developer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he makes reading suggestions in the back, which is cool. So you can travel on to other stories, including he suggests a book of his own, which I thought was funny and comments on it, but, uh, it was, it was cool. For I a lesser it. known kind of, uh, publisher too. It's really nice quality. It is endlessly funny to me that with the exception of maybe like, sorry for the call outs, but with the exception of like Second Sight and Source Point, it seems to be that the smaller the publisher, the better the product. They yeah. Put like, yeah, you look at Marvel 
effectively printing their books on like phone book paper these days. It's tissue paper. It's terrifying. And then you look at read that. You know, you look at companies like Silver Sprocket, Fantagraphics, uh, Scout. Like a lot of these smaller, like Ablaze is getting really yeah. Behemoth is you know pumping out books on really like sturdy cardboard Thick, and just like paper. I don't know. It's it's funny that like the second you get out of the per like the range of like Boom's better about it. They've gotten bigger, but they've still kind of remained better about it. But like as soon as you get out of the range of like the image and the dynamite and the Marvel and the DCs and the I mean, DC's got their cardstock covers, but even though they're getting funky these days because they took the gloss away, apparently. Um, <laughs> Heaven forbid we want gloss. <laughs> and like the dark horses and stuff. As you start to move down, there's like this middle range of companies and then even some of the even smaller ones that just pump out really physically impressive books. So like even beyond the content inside, they're like thick and sturdy and this one's got like a holographic cover like holographic logo parts of the logo and then it's got stickers in it and a pull out poster and stuff not to be that guy but it just kind of goes to show that some companies make their books with the intent of them to be collector's items and put into a bag and board to never be touched again and Pray to God that it's got a first appearance in it. Whereas some of these smaller books are meant to be read. Mm-hmm. They're meant to be opened and enjoyed and consumed a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I dug this. And, the, the you know, the, f- the physical parts about it, it having stickers, it having a poster, it having like this holographic part of the logo really appealed to me because it just felt very nostalgic like all of it felt very nostalgic it was telling you know discussing very modern things like the ruminations on the internet and you know not wanting to go outside and you know the like i said millennials struggling to be cool but (laughs) it uh it just felt very nostalgic it felt very like 90s cartoon very 90s comic yeah, very Cartoon Network. Yeah, it felt like a you know a lot of the comics back in the '90s that were based off of cartoons. So like the Simpsons comic and the the Sonic stuff and yeah. whatnot. Like it, it was very. Though I guess the anyway Sonic stuff, but uh, and like more of the kids oriented Ninja Turtles cartoons and, or comics and stuff. But it it was cool. It's it's fun and it's just a little one shot, you know that just has this little slice of life moment happening of these guys trying to if you're a fan of things like clerks jay and silent bob yeah. uh, even harold and kumar with less antics uh you know like i said cartoons like ed ed and eddie those kind of things uh regular show adventure time even to an extent because the buddy element of it yeah uh you'll dig it yeah you'll like it it's really cool. It's fun. I can't think of any TV shows that would be similar to it, but I don't watch a lot of TV, so that's on me. Yeah. Maybe, like, a very adult, like, Adventures of Pete and Pete. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. But this was cool. It was just, it was short, quick, cute, fun, cool. Enjoyable. It didn't suck, despite yeah. the name. <laughs> Most things sucks. But not everything. <laughs> you, you proved yourself wrong, comic. <laughs> exactly. 
You will be hearing from my lawyer <laughs> once he's done suing the never-ending story people. Oh, uh, yep, 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 yep. We're going on for a while now. I don't know that we're going to win that one. Probably not. <laughs> Which is bull. <laughs> False advertisement is real. Sitting there watching the movie, and then the credits start to roll, and I'm like, what is this crap? <laughs> Grabbed the VHS case, stared at it, stared at the credits, stared at it. Well, maybe it's coming back, I said to myself. And then that little, like, blue, the movies over screen popped up. And I was like, what is this crap? I had, I called some friends and I was like, hey, can you Google the never-ending story real quick? And they were like, yeah, sure. And I was like, okay, can you find, like, a movie poster for it? And they were like, yeah, sure. And they went to images and they found a movie poster. And I was like, does it say ending story? I submitted a letter to the editor to Entertainment Weekly. They didn't run it, but I submitted it. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what I <laughs> really hope to get out of that bit, but that's what we're closing the episode on. That's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more Cover B, you can find it at our website, CoverBPodcast.com. That's right. And if you're interested in following us on social media, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Cover B Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. I hope everyone has a good weekend. I hope you get out there and have some fun with family and friends and enjoy each other's company. As always, I have been Chris. This has been T. You know it. And you have been giving it a go with, with Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody. <laughs>